Hello, my friends. I want to invite you to listen to this very special podcast that I did with the phenomenal Lakeisha Johnson. So many times I'm serving as the interviewer. It was wonderful to be interviewed today. I want you to check out this conversation entitled Coffee and Conversations with Lakeisha. This is my new theme song, uh, Monty, that we're coming in. This is called Unstoppable by Corinne. Man, y'all coming in fast. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Becca. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Hey, he's waving. I see y'all coming in. Good morning. Y'all didn't know I could pre-broadcast. I'm learning. Monty, say, what city are you in? I'm in a town called Swansea, Illinois. It is right outside of St. Louis, maybe 15 minutes. Okay. So you're Southern. Yeah. Yes. But we just say the St. Louis area, right? Midwest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One of my other persons that I interviewed, his name um, is Wiz. He's from that area as well. Really? He has a t-shirt line called Legally Trapping and um, Think Smart Apparel. And he's been growing like crazy. And wow. I interviewed him last year just talking about it because he talks about the legal hustle and not being in a position of um, doing anything illegal and how he wanted to leave legacy and inheritance for everybody he was connected to. So that was really, really cool. Wow. Good morning. I see you guys coming. I'm just dialoguing with Monty. We'll interview him in a minute. Do me a favor. Go share the video live right now. Hey, Tracy. See some of my people coming in. Hey, Ramonda. Hey, Tanisha. Good morning. Where's Tamara? I have a set of twins that come on in the morning. TNT. They they dynamic, too. They like some dynamite. <laughs> um, they're coming in. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Go put the video. You don't want to miss this interview. Go put it in someone's hands right now. How y'all doing? Hey, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Odell. See you coming. You on time this morning. <laughs> I got to harass him. He harasses me beyond anything. He DMs me afterwards and gives me feedback on what he thinks my show should be like. Good morning. Oh, I see my cousin Myra. Hey, Myra. How you doing this morning? Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, our pre, your pre, when is, yeah, your birthday is coming up this week. Oh, happy birthday to you guys. Happy birthday, Myra. Good morning. Welcome. 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 We are in here. I think I can hear Judah J in the background. I hope that's not going to be what he does during the show. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Coffee Conversations. You guys know how I feel about being on time. August 27th. <laughs> There's Tam. Tam's like, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, August. Y'all are not too far from my mom. My dad is August the 29th. Hey, D. How y'all doing this morning? Well, good morning. Welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Lakeisha. I want to introduce you guys to my very special guest. And everybody's like, all your guests are special. That's right, because I don't look for anything but special guests. Pastor Monty Weatherall. Monty, will you do me a favor and say hello to our guests as they're coming in this morning? Hello, guests. How are you guys? It is a pleasure to see everybody. I'm looking forward to an incredible conversation, Lakeisha, and so honored that I'm on with you. I've been looking forward to this. No, I am too. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I have the the funny thing is I'm gonna tell them how we met in just a second. But thank you for giving me this time, Helen, all the way from Illinois. Uh, right outside the St. Louis area. Um, I'm super excited about this. How we connected is really strange. Um, and I did a video, and I'm gonna tell you that video is unpublished right now. And the only reason that the video is unpublished is because after you and I interviewed, um, it became too, it was starting to get controversial. And I'm like, this is not what this video is about. And women were hitting me up. And so are you saying, I'm not because I want to be a girlfriend right now. I'm not wife material. And I'm like, I'm not saying any of that. <laughs> I was personally from my I know, is that not crazy? I was personally speaking from my own life, saying, don't step to me if you're not ready to get married. Because this journey that I'm on is, and I may release the video later because the video got crazy, but I just was like, that was not to mention. And then I know somebody shared the video with you. And then we just kind of went from there. And, and that's actually, and I want to, I want to talk about that because, you know, 
Lakeisha, you really changed the whole trajectory of how I do Relationship Monday. Oh, the, wow. video, the video was sent to me, and of course, I reached out to you. I wanted to have you on because it was such a hot topic. And I inboxed you and said, okay, Queen, you know, I'm not going to be nasty about it, but I may disagree a little bit. And so when I had yeah. you on the show, you came in and just being Lakeisha, doing what you've been anointed to do, right? And so yeah. I, I, was, I was so busy disagreeing with you. And then when we got yeah. off, I, I call a buddy of mine and my wife. We always look at the look backs at the show. So I called my buddy. I'm like, yeah, man. And when I said this here and she said that, and this was crazy to me and that was crazy to me. And yeah. then we talked about 10 or 15 minutes. And then about 15 minutes into the conversation, I said, but when she said this, I agree with that. And when she said loving without conditions, I agree with that. And yeah. when she said this, I agree with that. And I told my buddy, I said, oh my gosh, I was so busy trying to disagree with her. Yeah, but I wasn't listening to the content that she was given and the jewels of wisdom that she was wow. giving. And I said, never again will I ever bring a guest on to disagree with them. I won't be the antagonist. I'm going to bring them on whether we agree or not. Unless they say something like Jesus is not Lord. But if they give an opinion that I can't clearly see, yeah. I'm, I'm inviting them to give what God has given them for my audience. I want to thank you for just changing the whole trajectory of how we do Relationship oh, Mondays. Thank you for that. I think Relationship Mondays is awesome. And so we're going to talk about that in just a second. So I want to start this way. And this is how I start with all my guests. I want to ask you this. Tell me, who is Monty Weatherall? Monty Weatherall is, first of all, a believer in Christ, a born-again believer. Before I say anything else, I love Jesus. Jesus became real to me. More than my mama's faith and my daddy's yeah. faith when I was 15 years old, I got born again. And okay. first and foremost, I love the Lord. I love the word. Secondly, I am a husband Ooh. of the love of my life. I, I, This woman, God could not have blessed me with a more perfect human being for me. She's the best human being I know. Yes. I'm a father, a grandfather. Yes. I'm a pastor of, yes. of, 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 of sheep that I love to serve. I love people. Yes. Well, I'm a, I'm a man of God who loves to help people. I exist to just help people. And That's I love doing that. That's who I am. Let me tell you something, something significant in how you describe things. Um, I look at words and how we talk. Um, my background is in speech communication and theater and drama. And so a lot of times when people are talking to me, I look at order of speech, rate, tonation, how they project. Um, that was really big. Your order was your relationship with Christ first and then about being a husband, because those are not just roles. Those also um, describe our makeup. So how you just described that for me was really big because that let me know those are the things that are first in your heart. And if we can find a man who has a husband being up in there after Christ, that's really a big deal. So thank you for giving that witness to me, Yes, especially for those of us who are single and who may have not necessarily had the best example of what husbands or fathers are the things that they should say. My uncle is um, my dad, but my uncle is closest to me here in Little Rock. And I texted him the other day and I said, thank you for being an example mm. of what my standard is for when someone comes to my table. So what I've been watching you and I'm going to say the same thing to you. Thank you for being a standard. Amen. Thank you for being a standard. Thank you for setting the standard and the example of what we should look for in kingdom men. Yes. I appreciate that because I'm watching you love on your wife from a distance. Um, we've been in conversation before. And you're like, okay, I got to go tend to my queen. I got to go have dinner with her. And I just appreciate you for being that standard and that example. We need to see that in kingdom. We need to see that. Well, Queen, this is what I always say. You know, my wife waited 38 years to get married. Oh, wow. Oh, that's me. And she waited. And and I said to myself, you know, she could have married anybody, but the <laughs> Lord saved her from me. My job, my responsibility, and I tell her this every day, is to wake up every day and make sure she doesn't regret turning down the guy she turned down and that she don't have to say, I waited this long for this. <laughs> I want to make it. We wake up every morning. Good morning, honey, with a smile on our face. I want every day to be like the kingdom of God on earth for her. And I make sure we've only had one argument in all the years of dating and marriage. Oh, uh, that's, so that's my next question. How long have you guys been married? We've been married four and a half years now. Okay. So I've been married before. 
Because y'all dated long, didn't you? We dated a long time. Absolutely. You you okay. hit it on the head. We dated, I think, one month short of three years. Okay. And, uh, because, I, you know, I had some stuff I was working on. I was married 14 years. Because yeah. <laughs> I knew she was I knew she was the one within the first three, four months. She was definitely wife material. But, oh. I, but I, I was broken in a lot of areas. I know we're going to get into some of that. Yeah. And I had to make sure that I was ready for this awesome responsibility. A woman to wait that long to get married. Yes. I, I want to make sure she never regretted that. And yeah. I don't believe she has. Oh, no, that's big. And by your smile, I see that you haven't either. Um, you said um, something important there. And you knew within three to four months. And mm -hmm. a good male friend of mine told me that as well. Yeah. He said most men know yeah. when a woman is in their presence, whether she is the person, a person he could marry, and that you guys kind of make decisions in your head. And this is somebody I can just date. Ah, this is definitely somebody that is wife material or that I could consider being a wife. What is inside you that triggers those or or brings that about? Well, for me, it's it's what I look for. You know, I, I had a list like everyone else. <laughs> yes, yes. And my, but I, I thought I had a mature list. One of the things she had to love Christ. Yes. You know, she had to love Christ. I had a mature, realistic list. She had to love Christ. And the other thing, what, what drew me to Kim, Kim is absolutely gorgeous. She's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. But when she came to the Bible study that I was teaching, she did, she wasn't a member of the church because I told the church, I stood up when I was single and said, hey, I don't date daughters. So if you're here to date me, you don't have a shot. There are three Come on, that's that's important. <laughs> and I said there, there are three million women in in the St. Louis Midwest area. God will send me one. That's my wife. And so somebody brought her not in brick to hook up with me. What I noticed about Kim first was her relational relational maturity, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking yes. for someone that was mature in the area of relationships. Yeah. And so the more we talked, the more I saw how she loved God and how relationally relationally mature she was. That yes. just spoke to something on the inside of me. And she and the other thing is she's the most non-judgmental person I've ever met. Oh, that's big. And I said, wow, I found that's her. Big. And I told her I told her when we were first dating, I said, look, I made a vow. Since I got to be celibate, I'm a Christian pastor. Yes. I'm going to date multiple people because I've been married 14 years. I don't know what I like. <laughs> and oh, that's so, big. You, you, you don't when you've been married before. Right. I don't know what I like. And I got married really young. Yes. And so she was like, OK, I'm fine with that. But within probably within four conversations, I knew uh, I'm on to something within three months. I knew this is my wife. Absolutely. Yeah. Something. And so it's definitely. But it's some things that you said, a maturity list, something from a mature place. Um, when I first had before my husband, my list, I'm not kidding. I was I wanted him. I wanted <laughs> to save. But this was before my husband. I wanted him six. Six feet fine was my term. About <laughs> six feet because I'm five eleven. I wanted him this businessman, and I wanted all these these immature things were on my list, right? Yes, ma'am. When God captured my heart, I started praying, and I said, "Lord, I need Him saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost." And if he will love you, I know he will love me. Mm -hmm. And when I married my husband, that's exactly what I got. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And he loved me as Christ loved the church. So now as I'm single again, my list is way more mature. And I'm like you. I wasn't dating, though. You helped me there. And this is the part that I had to pull myself out of my shell. And even my boys were joking, like, we're never going to get a dad if you keep sitting around this house. And I started dating for a while, and then that didn't go well. Then I kind of became reclusive. But you will not, once you've been married a long period of time, really know what you want or need in this season of your life, especially as you've gotten older, exactly. 45, unless um, you date to figure out, ah, that ain't what I want. And this is what I want. So my list has keeps getting revamped. It keeps changing. Right getting edited and it keeps it, it keeps becoming more 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 mature yeah i mean and that's it i and i i enjoyed the dating process i mean and it, it really let me know what i wanted you know and and it, it really helped me in the long run no that that's good so how many children do you have we have one daughter morgan she's 20 years old and i'm also a grandfather to Camiliana. so yeah oh. Being a, it's nothing like being a grandparent i have four grandsons man they rock my world they, get, they can call me about anything. Oh, what you need? What do you want? Right, 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 right. 
That's really, really good. So I want to get more into the meat of who Monty is. I definitely want to talk. We're going to talk about some real issues in a minute. But I want to talk about this relationship coaching thing. How did you get involved? Like, what made you say, you know what? And I know it's the call, but what made you say, you know what? This is for me. You have a relationship Mondays. Never seen Monty's relationship Monday. You need to get connected. You need to get involved. That I love relationship Mondays. And one of the reasons why is it just tends to bring out the best. That's what I feel like. Um, the best, the worst, it makes you look at things from a different perspective. Relationship Monday allows you to see. Um, I feel like relationship coaching is important and necessary because so many of us are jacked up and we don't even realize we don't know how to have re healthy relationships. Hmm. What 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 made you knew this was something you need to be involved in? Well, I, I go back to college. When I was in college, undergrad school <clears throat> at McKendree University, uh, my my mentor, Tom Smith, uh, <clears throat> he's also was an instructor for me in college. He actually said, uh, Monty, uh, I met him in a uh, biblical counseling class, pastoral counseling class. He says, Monty, I really believe your oil flows in the area of pastoral counseling. He oh. says, uh, have you thought about instead of becoming a pastor, uh, just becoming a Christian counselor? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I told him, I says, no, because I know God has called me to pastor. <laughs> and I was young. Uh, maybe I should listen to him looking back. Anyway, uh, no, but the church is doing well. I'm just kidding. No. Uh, but, but but he said the oil flows in counseling. And so when I started when I started pastoring, naturally, I was a counselor and I spent a lot of hours in my early days of pastoring, counseling a lot of couples. Uh, my oil just flows in the area, just naturally. flow. And I think I was really born that way. I was the kid growing up. I was. And I know we're going to get into this, but because of my past abuse, I was shy. I wasn't confident in myself. So yeah. I wasn't bold enough to talk to girls, but I, but I, I was the girl's counselor. So yeah. I was helping them through relationships. I was too timid and afraid to ask them out, but I helped them with all their relationships. And so God really was just, he was even grooming me then. When yeah. I started pastoring, I did a lot of counseling. When I go through my, when I went through my divorce, I remember crying my eyeballs out to God. And I said, Lord, if you ever heal me and fix me, I will give back to the folks. I yeah. will learn from this. And yeah. what and one thing I learned when I was single, going home, celibate, going home, lonely, <laughs> going home. I like, oh, my God, all the years I was married, I never really ministered to single people. Oh, that's big. I, I just ministered to the married folks. And I was just saying, just I told the single people, just trust Jesus, give your life to Jesus, work in the church. And I, and I was working in the church more than anybody. Saw my face. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. No, that sounds great, right? <laughs> right. Until I'm single now and I got to go home and I didn't have the tools that all, all, all the married people in the congregation had the tools to be yeah. married. Yeah. But I didn't have the tools. So I had to begin to construct this. And what happened is as I was going through singleness and developing things, I begin to give relationship Monday started actually uh, me, somebody, people sending me an inbox question and I would answer it on my wall. That's before we went live. Yes. When I got into the coaching is because of this. What I realized is as a counselor legally, I couldn't tell people what to do. As a coach, I could put plays on the playboard and say, do this. So I, I said, I stopped the counseling and said, I want to coach you because I see a lot of just little adjustments. If you do A, B and C, I think you will be a better person as a husband, wife, or single person. Yeah. And my focus is just on relationships, period. Not anymore, just, just married, but marriage by itself. And I think it, as being a single, I don't like even when married people come talk to me unless they're talking to me out of their singleness. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. I was married before. A lot of times people think I'm married before. So in my single place, people start giving me tips and I'm like, you know, I've been married before. Like I was married successfully, you know? Um, but in my singleness now, I want you to speak to me out of my singleness. It's hard when someone tells you just be single, saved and sanctified and go to work. I'm working, I work my friends to tell you I don't do anything but work. <laughs> I work like crazy. What I need you to talk me through is these rough spots or these patches or um, finding my identity um, and some other things. And that's funny because my background is in gerontology and some other things. And the Lord started dealing with me about not coaching, but strategizing, teaching people how to strategize, how to maximize their resources and become the best them. Mm -hmm. Same coaching, putting a play on there. You've got these things around you. This is how we're going to turn this energy around so that you can be the best 
possible you you need to be absolutely and and that's exactly what i do you know because the one of the things that i really realize is that there there's a reason why many of us can't seem to either find someone come on or we keep we keep attaching ourselves to a certain type of person and the reason why that is is because there are certain subconscious uh patterns that we developed yeah that's really emanating from our pain Yes. And so one of the things that I try to do as a coach is try to get in there. And even as a even as a pastor on Sunday, pastor on Sunday, I use the word 100 percent of the time to show them that as a man or woman thinking so as the, so as they as oh, you think in your heart, in your yes. spirit, in your subconscious, yes. let's weed all that poison out. Mm-hmm. We got to go to the spot of your inner child, probably where you were wounded. Yes. So we can help him or her heal so that you can be the best version of yourself. And then now you will you will attach yourself to who you are, which is healthy and wealthy, spiritually and emotionally. Which makes all of the difference. And I don't think we realize how much brokenness is in us. Right. Um, Brokenness is slick, too. That's what I found out. And you don't figure out the brokenness sometimes until something pops up or something else comes out of you. So dating is necessary. You don't I don't think you're supposed to hide. I think Mm. you need to date because that's when the brokenness surfaces. Come on. Yeah, it comes out because you've encountered something and you're like, oh, this is still in me or this is this is a pattern that I've yet not realized. And we're getting ready to get into some of that because um, you have an amazing story and um, I'm going to call you to come back here or I want that. And you've also did something so bold. You've talked about some places in your life that we don't get from men all the time, but it's extremely necessary. And you're an author and you wrote a book, Taking Back My Life. And Mm -hmm. this book, I haven't, like, I need to get into the meat of the book. I was reading, I was like, okay, I got to sit down and read it. But I know that this book talks about forgiveness, healing, negative thought patterns, Mm -hmm. and it deals with sexual abuse. Um, I did not realize the intensity of the experiences where people were either sexual victims or had been a part of sexual abuse. Um, not talking, not sharing um, what had went on. And so I went and looked at the National Crime Center and I found out like one in five girls and one in 20 boys are victims of sexual abuse. And when they looked at self-reported studies, like 20% of adult females had reported remembering some type of sexual abuse through her life. Five to ten percent of males. Like I'm looking at these statistics, sure. and I'm like overwhelmed. But let me tell you, when I first found out it was a problem, I host these events called Pillow Talk, and I'm in Pillow Talk, and we do these sessions, and you have to bring something to the table that you're not gonna take out. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a Pillow Talk, and I'm in this room with twelve women, right? Yeah. And I think about six of the twelve reported some type of sexual victimization, reported some type, that was half of the group that was in there talking to me about sexual abuse. And I was in an abusive relationship in adulthood where there were some things in which I was a sexual victim, but I just, Mm -hmm. these were stories from their, their, their youth, their childhood. And it's like, oh my gosh, over the course of the lifetime, 28% of our youth, have experienced some kind of sexual victimization. Talk to us. Tell us what's going on here. Tell us what 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 you're just how you got to the point that you said no more. I'm not allowing this impact to impact my life anymore. Well, you know, uh, great question. Well, let me start here. From the ages of four to seven years old, I was sexually abused by two male relatives. One. Uh, was on one side of the family and the other was on the other side of the family. I went to the second person to Mm -hmm. tell on the first person because the first person said, if I tell my parents, he will uh, kill me, hurt me, hurt them. So I went to the second person on the opposite side of the family, just doing what a kid will do at four or five years old. And, And then he began to abuse me and made the abuse of the first perpetrator seem like a day, uh, at, at, on Barney show, a romper room. It, yeah. it just became a horrific nightmare of, of, yeah. of existence for the next couple of years. Okay, so fast forward. I grew up with that. And, and for me, the vice, the demon that attached itself to me 
was anger, self-loathing, rage, yeah. and total self-hatred. I yeah. overate. I, 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 my weight journey, I've lost 80 or 90 pounds. Matter of fact, I went to the gym this morning. Part of taking my life back, I had to take my health back. Yes. But it was it was an ep- when I really decided to deal with it. It was an episode with my with my wife, my now wife Kim, and uh, I invited her home for the weekend to let her know that I was going to take my life. And from there, uh, her prayers, her intercession pulled me through in that weekend. And from there, I knew that I couldn't put her in a position like that again because it. And I, when I'm on tour, book tour, I talk about this in more detail. It was so bad, I knew I had to really get the help I needed. So I went to see a therapist. But uh, as an adult, let me interrupt you for just a second. You're saying as an adult, years later, oh, you yeah. were at the point that you wanted to kill yourself. Oh, yeah. Remember, and, and this is an adult pastor of a of a, a fairly successful church. One of the we pastor and minister in pain oh, all the my time. Goodness. People don't realize how many people are preaching in pain and pastoring in pain and teaching in pain. I had a whole season oh, where I was goodness. in pain, but still getting up doing coffee and conversations and <laughs> Queen, I would get in my car on Sunday, and I mean, after people that got born again, spirit filled, joined the church, church got bigger, we did great things in community. I would get in my car and absolutely want to die. Just like, okay, Lord, I would say this to God. Okay, Lord, I'll preach my last sermon of my life. I'm going to go ahead and end this now. Yes. And remember, Kim and I have only been married four and a half years. So these are just recent revelations. We're talking maybe about 36, 38 months ago. Yes. So yes. from there, I, I wrote the book, Taking My Life Back, Thriving After the Trauma of Childhood Sexual Abuse. I've been on the road. As you said, I know what the national statistics say. Yes. But Queen, I'm like you. When you start getting into these pillow talks and you start going on tour like me, and every time I give an altar call, 75% of the congregation comes up. I don't, I've, I've spoken to crowds as small as 30, as big as 400. 75% of the congregation comes up to me. I, it's, it looks more to me more like one in three women and mm-hmm. one in six men. Yeah. Just from and, I, and I've traveled the country, East wow. Coast, South, wow. uh, Midwest. I'm I'm headed to Detroit. You know, it's 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 seventy five percent of the congregation every single time. Yes. Yeah. So so my thing in this um, and recapturing ourselves and dealing with this, and I'm gonna bring you here. I don't want it all here. I want them to come see you. I'm gonna yes, bring ma'am. you here. So I want to get the snips of it. I want them to go ahead and get the book. But I want to bring you here. I think it's necessary because I know that this is a spirit that has been taking over. And because of our minority communities, Mm. we don't talk enough. We're taught to be quiet. Uh, We have told, you don't take our business outside of our household. Right. Right. As I'm raising sons now single, I'm very clear. I don't care if somebody tells you they're going to kill me, do something to me, attack me. You bring everything to the table anytime you feel uncomfortable. And I promise you, I'm going to handle that. When, <laughs> when, 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 and, when, and thank you so much. For, uh, I'm looking forward to coming down south. You know, when, when children are in the audience, and I, and I tell even though I'm graphic in my presentation. Which is not. Nice. I, I want children in the audience. And one thing I say to the children, and Kim gave me this nugget because she's a counselor by trade. She was a school teacher. She says, honey, you have to say something to the kids. And one of the things I say to the kids in the audience is, look, they're not going to hurt mommy or daddy. Yeah. Not, that's that's fear. Yes. Tell your parents they're not going to hurt them. Yes. Because you're right, you know, and you and we have to tell our kids. I don't care what they say. Tell me. Yeah. Absolutely. And let me know because that's so important. Um. So I, you were so young when this started, right? Mm-hmm. And you were afraid to tell. How were you? Do you remember how you were dealing with this as a kid? Like, how were you dealing with this as a kid? Well, at four or seven years old, I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I just didn't know. Uh, I didn't even know right or wrong. Nope. I, it was just happening. That's the trap. Yeah, it was just happening. And 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 actually, I want to, you know, there was an incident that I, that's when I'm on tour, I tell there's an incident that made it stop. And it was a seminal moment. Mm-hmm. But let's go past seven years old. Once I hit eight years old, the way I dealt with it was, again, especially once I understood that it was wrong. I dealt with it with just total self-hatred. Yeah. I, I, you know, some people have sexual demons attached to them behind that was never my issue. My, yeah. the demons, it's like Satan knew the play to play on my life because of the people that I would affect. Yeah. And so why not attach a, a self-hatred, self-destruct demon to me 
to yeah. stifle me from going out there and affecting the thousands of people, tens of thousands of people I've, I've touched all over the world. Yes, yes. And that that's important. You said something. I, 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 the trauma we experience, the things we go to through, um, is so funny. Um, I have some introvert tendencies and I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, when I first met you, I thought you were disinterested. I thought you was a little bougie. And I said, no, I'm great speaking publicly. I'm great on here. I'm great teaching. It's when you put me in small, intimate settings and I have to network the introvert surfaces. And I asked the Lord, I said, I need you to show me what, what this came from. And he said, it came from every point that you thought you were rejected. Yeah. And yeah. he said, so sitting in, in settings with people in intimate settings are not as comfortable with you. And so I said, Lord, help me be confident, you know, in you so that it is, it doesn't, and I don't have this say, and it doesn't come off because what it's doing is it's going to prevent me from connecting to the people that I need to connect to because they're going to misread me. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? They're going to think I'm in a different thing. And the assignment is very early on the call at four, at seven, at three, at two, from the time Jeremiah one and five that you're formed and given birth and God proclaims this is what you're going to be to the world. The assignment comes so early. And if the enemy can get you to abort your, your mission, your dream, your call or whatever, he's winning. And then you get attached to all these destructive behaviors. You were over 300 pounds. Like, oh, yeah. What was was it just consuming food? What was food for you in this? Food was my comfort. It was my my best friend. I, I wrote, you know, I was a gospel rapper. And it, again, the book talks about all these different things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten to. <laughs> That's yeah. why we'll have to so, talk. So, so the book talks about that. And 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 one of the things um, one of the lyrics that I wrote on this song called Conflict, because I was writing has always been a way for me, therapeutic for me. I love to write, you know, and one of the lines that I write in one of the songs called Conflict is uh, I'm eating Big Macs and chips and so much candy. Uh, I pledge allegiance to this food because it understands me. <laughs> you know, I felt like food didn't argue with me. I felt like food didn't it didn't it didn't tell me I was fat. Food didn't make me feel bad about myself. Yes. And I and, and I felt like it was the one thing I could control. Yes. And, and which, which is crazy because I was out of control. <laughs> But I felt like I could control it. I could control when I ate it. I could control how much I wanted. And yeah. so it was, and it was an, emo, it became an emotional trigger. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and even to this day, even with deliverance and everything, you know, I have to, I have to now play new tapes in my, in my, in my head that, yeah. Hey, we're not attached to that demon anymore. Yeah. We are whom the son makes free is free indeed. So, but, but if I don't do that, yeah. when a stressor happens at church or something like that, the first thing is abandon your discipline. And I have to remind myself, no, 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 no. I'm a new creation. No, we're going to stay. We're going to stay on course here. Monty, yeah. that's powerful because that's exactly what it tells you to do. Whatever you've been working on, break. That's why right. I'm so um, intense about my patterns. Like I have a certain time I don't start accepting phone calls after yes. Till I've built myself up spiritually, till I've worked out, till I've done everything that I need to do for me. I don't even want to talk to anybody till I've taken my bath and a pool of salon in the morning. Like I have a whole ritual that I that is necessary for me. So Queen, that I don't get into those thought patterns or those ways. Queen, I'm the same way. People that know me say, man, Monty has a pattern. I mean, I get up every morning, 4:30, boom, and everything starts there. From meditation yeah. to word time to prayer time to working out. Now I'm ready because I know I have to see people think that mind renewal is a one time thing. Mind renewal is a lifetime. You, you, have, to, you have to spend a lifetime renewing your mind because, because one thing you said, even as a child, this whole rejection thing, you were conditioned for that. Yes. The attack started on me even before that. I tell people all the time, sexual abuse is just what I decide, what I chose to write about. But this yeah. whole attack on my destiny started probably as early as two years old. Wow. And so then you're being educated in, in, in the secular system. You have to every day renew your mind to who you are in God and what God has for you. I yeah. love the fact that you have these patterns because that's what it, that types of discipline is what it takes for that, that whole process of mind renewal. Yeah, that's good. You said something and we're talking about mind renewal. And if you're just logging on on the end, this is my special guest, Monty Weatherall. And patterns, negative thought patterns. I will see people all the time. 
um, who don't even realize that they're in negative thought patterns, um, who aren't even conscious of their speech, who aren't even conscious of what they're saying. One of my very good friends, we were talking the other day, and anytime one of her kids would walk in the room, she'll always say what's wrong. And I said to her, I said, I need you to do me a favor. When you're talking, when they come in, don't ask what's wrong. Yeah. Ask what do they need yeah. or ask what's going on. But what's wrong always assumes there's a problem. And she went, I never thought of it that way. I said, because we've been in negative thought patterns for so long, we don't even read. So how in coaching do you teach someone to recognize their negative to recognize those negative thought patterns, because a lot of people don't even recognize those negative thought patterns. Lesson number one, Queen Lakeisha, is this: I, is, is whether I'm coaching them or or, or pastoring uh, people that I love to serve, you have to understand Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death oh, and life good. is in the Aren't power you? of the tongue. Yes, you have to understand that. That yeah. words, Jesus says, and, I don't, and forgive me if I'm giving too much scripture. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine on here. We can go either way. It works for me. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Yes. Our words are spirit and they are life and they are real. And at first I say, you have to reconcile this, that you're just, that words aren't just sound. Yes. Words weren't just given to us just to communicate. Words were given yes. to us to create. Yes. And if you understand that words is given to us to create, then you have to understand that you have a responsibility to guard mm. them, to watch them. Yes. I mean, little things. And I tell them, I said, you got to guard little things because it's like what you said was so powerful. I'm going to take that with me to everybody. Even when you start saying things like what's wrong, you're turning on a switch. I say even little things like my feet are killing me or if it wasn't for good, bad luck, I wouldn't have luck at all. These are things that we're saying and we're training our spirit not to believe our words, even the positive words. Yes. And so I start with that lesson right there. You have to realize you're not just speaking sounds. You are communicating with the spirit world. Yes. And you're yes. giving you're giving the spirit world, the devil, ammunition to come against you and your words are creative. I start right there. I don't say anything that I don't want to come to pass. I am huge. I'll be quiet for a whole day. I won't say nothing about if I can't. And my wife will tell you, I'll come in here and say, honey, I'll talk to you tomorrow because my, my mouth is not disciplined right now. <laughs> you, know, you have got to be my brother in the spirit because I'm the exact same way. I'll shut down and people are like, why are you so quiet? And I'm like, because I don't want to release anything. And I know I ain't right right now. So it's better. I'll lay in my prayer closet all day. It's better for me just to lay in my closet, not say absolutely thing. Right. Mouth lines up with what the word says until I can capture those thoughts. Um, I am very big on in your 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 spirit drives your energy. And people will come see me and they'll be like, why is your energy so higher? Why are you so high functioning? Well, your spirit drives your energy and whatever you've allowed in your energy is going to drive your energy. But I also think that's significant in attracting relationships. If in your energy is a little um, looseness, I'm going to use those words. You yeah. draw people. Uh, uh, somebody, what someone told me changed how I viewed and how I handled myself as a woman because I was rough. Um, because I started having sex early um, and I'm switching the gear a little bit here, but that energy attracts and draws. And one of my friends came to me and he said something to me. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, whatever bait you put out there, you're going to attract. He said, so you keep fussing and telling me you catching these sharks, but you must have some shark bait out there. If you don't want a shark no more, stop putting shark bait out there, Lakeisha. Stop stop carrying yourself in a certain manner. And it's shifted. And I think that applies to so many areas in my life. And it made me starting, starting to think about how I carry myself as a woman. The unseen world is the more real world, period. Yep. We're going to, we're going to connect to folks that are like us. I had and, and and I believe the reason why I was able to to meet Kim and, and and attract Kim and then attain Kim and commit to Kim because she was unlike anyone that I had ever dated before. 
Yes. Because I realized that I don't care if the person if it was 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 thick, thin, light skin, dark skin, whatever. I mean, I met people from different parts of the country, but they were all the same person. Yeah. And there are people out here right now. They're saying, how do I end up with this type of person? Because you are dating yourself. When we when when we are with people, yes. the, the, your friends, let's, let's go beyond romantic, platonic friendships. Period. Your your relationships are a judgment of you. They're yeah. a judgment of you. You, 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 yeah. you have cast judgment on yourself. Whoever that's in your circle of commitment, yes. they are a direct reflection of who you are. Yes. And so you need to have an honest look. It's not their fault that no. they did you wrong. Now, they're responsible for their actions. Yes. But the bottom line is there was something in us that kept drawing them in and committed to them. Yes. And so we have to change these patterns. So I had to look at myself and say, what is it about me inside of me that's broken that mm -hmm. I keep attracting and keeping and committing to this type of woman? Once I did that, Kim was ready to walk right into my life. And I think that that's that's good because one of the things I had to realize was I like to take on projects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when the Lord started dealing with me with no projects, I'm mm -hmm. not going to send someone to you. I was so broken when my husband got me. I thought my just do. And I'm not saying we don't pay anything for it was I was going to have to have a broken person. And the Lord started reminding me, you went through way too much and sacrifice. I'm going to send somebody actually to help heal you even further because that's what happens. I'm gonna say it's, it's that season in your life, but I thought I needed projects and I was attracting project type energy. People with so many mental, social and whatever issues. And I had to catch myself and say, let me make sure that people understand, yeah, I'm strong, but when I connect to him, you know what I'm saying? Sure. People compliment, it's something else that needs to go on in here. And so it, I focused on my wholeness. The, the same with me, Queen. I had to realize I was attracting projects or broken, severely broken women because what I was trying to fix was a pattern of what I saw of every woman in my life growing up what yeah. did, did wrong. I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the one man that I saw in my in my circle yeah. that, you know, that would treat women right. Even my uncles were players. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so women in, in, in my life as a kid were getting dogged out, were getting done yeah. wrong. All of a sudden, I was going to be the captain, save a, a woman yeah. <laughs> and, and, try to, and try to fix that. Right. And so I will find these folks who were severely broken trying to right wrongs of the women who were influential in my life. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't work. And it's Never. not healthy. Especially when you got a, a, a man that was a boy, a man that was broken himself. <laughs> so I was drawing that energy as well. Yeah, and I learned in the dating, in my dating process, and now I'm dating, I call holy, I'm holy and holy. I'm dating whole from a whole place and holy, and I'm having so much fun. Like, it's so much fun now. There's no pressure there. Um, my my thing with celibacy comes to the table when I feel like it, right? But it's what I represent. And if the pressure seems on, I say, ah, let me let you know who you're dealing with, you know, right here. This is just kind of where I am in life. But I'm dating from such a good perspective. And I get to kind of de de determine how this goes and how I want to see this and what's in my space. And when it gets too crazy, I'm like, ah, let me pull back. But that I think comes from also not being rushed. And I think things in society have us so rushed now. And I'm going to tell you something I took from our interview. Cause you were saying, I don't know if time, we were talking about time, right? And you were like, mm -hmm. I don't know. And I was like, no, you know it. And you do know it. But what I do know, because my husband and I were married within four months, but we also had several years of friendship. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you right now, I move turtle snow slow. I don't care if I <laughs> something, I want to move turtle slow. I want to at least spend some months, some time, a year or so dating, flushing this out, getting in perspective. Unless I see some good, divine burning bush and the Lord is like, no, y'all going to go ahead and do this now. I want to figure the person out, spend time becoming their friend getting to know them, understanding how they function, because we can interpret and assume anything and it may not be right. Queen, this is my, my rule of thumb is this. And I, I say, you know, you have to date. I would recommend dating someone for a year before you, before you pop the question, because here's the thing, it's seasonal. I want to use your word, words, because I think it's a great word. The energy that a person brings to the table in the spring is different in the winter and it's a different energy in the summer and there's a different energy in the autumn. Yes. You know, my, my wife had to understand emotionally 
uh, I'm more a little more melancholy in in the winter. It's cold. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little just just a just a just a bit slower. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to be cognizant of that, right? Yeah. And so she saw she actually saw the cycle as you know now a couple of times. But and I think that's why we ought to we ought to we ought to take our time at least a year so you can see them in the different seasons so you can make a judgment even when you know this is the person, but at least you can make a judgment when you stand at the altar and say, okay, I've seen them. I can handle all of that. Yeah. And that's something I can handle and walk to the table with divinely and without any problem. And I think that's so important, but I want to loop right back and, and, and talking about this dating process. I brought it up for a reason as we were talking about sexual abuse. What would you say to a person who has been sexually abused in this dating process um, about their wholeness before they move on or about bringing that as an issue before their mates. Because if you get involved with someone and that doesn't come out until later, that can impact your relationship, especially if you're sexually dysfunctional and married. Sexual dysfunction and marriage just don't go hand in hand. So what would you say to them? What would be your advice to the person who has been sexual abused who's dating? Well, first of all, um, I would say make a decision today that you're going to be healed. Okay. You've got to make a decision. A lot of people know they've been sexually abused. Yes. Uh, They acknowledge it, but they haven't made a decision to be healed. Jesus asked asked that that man at the pool of Bethesda an important question. Do you want to be made whole? Yeah, he started giving all excuses of why. You know, no, do you want to be made whole? I ain't, I ain't asking you why you went at the pool. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be? And you have to make a decision because sometimes what happens is, forgive me, even though we acknowledge that we've had sexual abuse in our life, we we make decisions to stay in the victimhood because some of us like telling the story. Oh, I was sexually abused. I was molested, and so we love rehearsing the story. You've got to first make a decision that yes. you're going to going to be healed, and then once you make the decision, the next thing I'll do is stretch it forth, bring it out, and talk about it. Yes. Even before you talk to the person that you're dating about it, Lakeisha Queen, I recommend that people go get therapy from a Christian anointed therapist. Yes. And that well, might not it might not be our, I'm a pastor. That might not be me. Okay. I don't I don't counsel sexual abuse people who've been traumatized with sexual abuse. I don't do it. Yes. Because I know I don't my, now, even though I was a victim of that. Yes. I don't I don't set up therapeutic sessions. We can talk about it and I'll recommend them somebody who's been anointed and gifted to help yes. them deal with that, right? Yes. And so go on that journey. Do all you can to yes. get the tools ahead uh, around you to help with your healing. Yes. Then when you bring somebody into your life that you're dating. Now, this is sensitive information. This is information that's very personal. Yes. I wouldn't recommend that you tell them about it until you make a decision that you're going to commit to this person. Oh, that's good. That's that's good. That are are they worthy of your commitment? That's then once they become worthy of your commitment, then then they're worthy of your trust. And then I can trust them with it because you've got to tell the person you're committing to, particularly when you know you're moving toward engagement. You know, yeah. sisters, even though you don't know women, even though you don't know when the engagement is going to happen, <laughs> well, yeah. you can feel it. I mean, come on, y'all. Feel something brewing. Yeah. You know something is brewing. It might be, you know, you know it's coming. Yeah. Right. When you, when you feel it's coming, yeah. b- before he make this this financial investment and this lifetime investment in you, wonderful queen or king, because I'm the man. Yes. Before you get engaged, sit her down and let her know this happened to me because what we have to do, we have to give the person we're dating or engaged to soon as to marry the, the fair shot and making a decision. But do I want to deal with this or not? Yes, that's good. When I was dating someone, someone told me one time about a very personal thing that they were dealing with. Right. Yes. And it was it was it was horrible and it was personal. I had to let them know I just don't have the equipment in my life to deal with that. And yes. it's only fair to you that I tell you the truth. Yes. Someone did me like that. And I appreciated them telling me that they were like, I'm just not emotionally available. And I thought they were, I thought it was junk at first until I started encountering them more. And I realized they really weren't emotionally available. Right. And I realized they really had so many things going on in their own selves that yeah. they had pulled together. So women, that's not just an excuse. They needed to get themselves together. And I later have respect for them for identifying that because then that allowed me not to pull myself in 
to get so emotionally attached. And I think what you gave us doesn't just apply to sexual abuse. It comes to the place of anybody that needs to evaluate themselves, who's divorced, um, who's found themselves in a series of bad relationships, who aren't where they are. Somebody inboxed me yesterday and said, I need to know something. Why are you single? And I text him back and I said, I'm not crazy. And he came back and was like, I didn't think you were crazy. I said, I'm just working on me. And I just feel like whoever God is lining up next, we're going to collide. Yeah. We're going to collide because they're going to catch me, Ruth, working. You know, they're going to catch Absolutely. me. And we're going to collide. And it's going to line with this list that you talked about, a mature list. <laughs> It's going to align in the season because I tell anybody, there's a lot that comes with me. So when you come and you tell me you're going to be the head of this table, we need to look at the full spread. That's good. At the head, we need to be able to look at the full spread. You've got to look at the fact that I have five sons, three who are adult, two in the house, you know, yeah. who still who don't have a father. So when you come to this table, we ain't got no baby daddy drum. Right. You're going to be their dad. Their dad mm. is you're going to be their, not their stepfather. You're going to be their dad. Then I have ministry. Then I have businesses, you know? And so my spread at the table, when you talk to me about sitting at my table, I'm going to tell you, I'm ready. I want you to be the head of the table, but you need to look at this spread because you're going to add, if you think about kingdom and when the king sits at the table, there's always this spread. You're going to have a part, you're going to have a spread to this. That's going to make our table full. So we need to, put this at the table and look at this and all what comes what's on my side of the spread at this table and every, everything isn't a hundred percent healthy but i'm going to give you the best low fat i'm gonna give you best low fat as i can if that's a good way to say it you know when i when i have couples uh and we're getting ready to perform the ceremony and i have the honor of uh, taking them through marriage counseling one of, i asked them three times through through the marriage counseling process is there anything that this person needs to know that yes. you haven't told them mm. before or you guys haven't dealt with before we walk down the aisle and make these vows because it'd be totally unfair to that person if you haven't given them a fair opportunity to make a decision it, it, and sometimes we don't do that because of fear we don't and, and i think one of them i'm going to use a negative word here i think one of the most ridiculous things i think people do if you're dating somebody and you want to marry somebody, how can you not tell them about yourself for fear of how they're going to judge you? Yes. If you can't, if you're with someone that you can't be your hundred percent self with, yes. this is certainly not a person you should be married. Yep. <laughs> like that's my whole thing. I need you to know I'm made up today, but I'm telling you Monday through Friday, I'm going to be in leggings and t-shirts. I'm not going to play and pretend I will dress up for you, <laughs> but that's right. But you right. know when I wake up, what I look like when I wake up. And if I can't present that rawness to you, then we got, you're, we, we shouldn't be together. Right. Because you and I both know that it's those moments is where it gets intense in marriage. There has to be a rawness and a transparency where I'm able to come to you and say what, whatever, like whatever, Kim, whatever. Lakeisha, Kim has set the tone for me so much. I tell her all the time. And, and I, I hope vice versa, but she's much better at it than me. Yes. I can't ever come to her in not, not one decade of our marriage and say, Kim, I couldn't tell you that because I didn't know how you was going to respond. Yes. We have set the tone in this marriage that we can talk about anything. anything. And we just not talk about Sunday school stuff. We built this relationship on having the tough conversations. Yes. And people are so afraid of that. Yes. But that helps the marriage. And again, it helps the person to have an honest perspective of who they're dealing with. I'm going to show you how transparent my husband and I were. Um, I, he was dying. This is no, he was on the table leaving me. And I look at him and I'm so serious. And I'm like, if I had to do this all over again, I would. And he says back to me, I know. And I hope you get that ponytail off your head. <laughs> That's the last thing you're about to say. Right. He hated my hair in a ponytail and I pulled it up and it was just looking crazy. Right. And he said, I hope you get that but don't wear that ponytail no more. Like that's not your look. Right. I look and I fall out laughing. But that was the nature of our relationship. Yeah. But even when I got in a really 
tough place in marriage. And I came to him, we have been married about 10 years. And I said, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. Right. Mm. It left the space for me to be transparent and vulnerable. Mm. And I was talking about the toughness of his health. And we just bagged by a lot. And he told me, he said, if you decided to walk away today, I wouldn't let anybody talk about you mm-hmm. because you've given me 10 hard, strong years. And I know that this is difficult. And I'm going to tell you the words he used that changed my perspective. He said, and I said, I think you love me because he, he he left the place and he understood everything I said. And I said, I think you love me way more than I love you. And he looked at me and said, Lakeisha, I'm supposed to like Christ love the church. Yeah. yeah. And I, something woke up in me yeah, and was true. like, girl, get your second win. <laughs> You don't get this kind of love as often as you should, right. and you get your bearings. And I was able to have the next three years with him until he passed and made his transition with the Lord based on those. And I'm not saying it wasn't easy, but based on those transparency, those moments of being able to be transparent and say to him whatever was on my heart. I think transparency is a must. We are way out of time. We're way over time. I didn't even mean to take up your time. It is so, but it was so... Like it was so necessary and it was so good. You are so powerful. You are so, as my friends know, I love to use, you are so dope. Um, this this good, um, especially being able to have a conversation. And we're definitely going to work out something to get you down here so you can talk about your book. I want people, after I figured out how serious sexual victimization, how serious sexual abuse, how that ties into our relationships, even just from the point, because the book isn't just, about the sexual abuse, it's about the emotional abuse, it's about the mental abuse, it's about just every place that we've been. And it's really a lot about forgiving yourself and also forgiving the other person so that you can move into your wholeness. Yeah. I'm on wholeness right now. You know, Lakeisha, I said when when the publisher, when a when a publisher picks this book up, they're probably gonna re- retitle the subtitle. Yes. You know, after any type of trauma, because it not just speak, it does doesn't speak to sexual abuse, any type of trauma that a person yes. has gone through. This gives you seven steps yes. to find wholeness after that. So thank yes. you so much. I'm looking forward to coming down there. No, I'm excited, too. We're going to get that arranged. I'm thinking about that now. I'm like, <laughs> let, me the dates. let me figure out what this comes so people can just get into your presence. I um, believe truly that there's always an accelerator that we come in contact with. And when we are in, anytime we're in a broken place or anytime we're in a particular place, we come in contact with someone and it accelerates. Like they, it's like giving gas and yeah. they give us the momentum that we need to move into the next season um, in our broken places. That's why I tell people all the time, I don't want to pay to be coached or I don't want to. And it's like, no, if you're going to spend, I'm big about my nails and my feet. If you're going to spend $65 on your hands and feet because you want to look good, yeah. you spend $25, $35, $40, $50, $75 because you want to feel better. And Absolutely. sometimes we don't know how to get ourselves out of the rut mm. and sewing into a person's gifts or talents or not. So. For those of you, this is somebody said it. Bon Tally, one of my frequents, said he really appreciates you, Pastor. Brother Ross, the writers on here. Thank you, guys. Um, this is Pastor Monty Weatherall. I'm so grateful for you and what you do to the body and for building kingdom. We've been taught religion for so long and that it looks like this box. We've been living in square boxes, missing the opportunity to have the relationships not only just with Christ, but with the world. We're all interrelated, interconnected, and interdependent. And if you haven't figured that out now, you are all the way in Illinois, and I am in Arkansas, and our paths crossed, and God is doing such a divine divine thing. Um, I am growing from a media standpoint by watching you become excellent in media, uh, watching how you present your shows. It's mentoring me from a distance. I'm gleaming from you. That's how we're supposed to be connected and not. And but that also comes from uh, for me, you having humility for you to share what you shared at the beginning of the show. lets me know your heart is right before God, that it brought you in a place saying, nope, I'm not going to ever do this again because I want to give everybody um, a fair chance. Here is how you get connected to Pastor Weatherall at Monty Weatherall, MontyWeatherall at gmail.com. You can purchase a signed copy of his book today, Taking My Life Back, Thriving After the Trauma of Childhood Sexual Abuse. Um, MontyWeatherall.me is the website. What you don't want to do is miss out on this man. 
He has so much insight. Monday, tell us Monday relationship Mondays. Tell us about that before we get out of here. Great show. It uh, relationship Monday is it airs every Monday from 7:30 p.m. to 8:30 p.m. Central Standard Time. This Monday we have two excellent men that are going to talk about five legacies that fathers can leave for their children. Ooh. And we're going to because because a lot of us aren't relationally equipped because we're getting one beautiful half of the coin from yeah. the mother, but we don't get that half from the father. And yeah. We're going to talk about the legacies that every father should leave the children. I think that's so important. And I want to make sure I'll make sure I share that video or tag me into a sentence so I can make sure that I get that video out there. Absolutely. The word says we were to lay up our, an inheritance for our children's children. And a lot of time we think inheritance of only monetary things and we're not looking at the legacy. I tell my sons all the time, their father left a strong mm. legacy for them, a strong legacy. So when they're a little out of order, I'm like, revisit the legacy, <laughs> revisit what he left, you yes. know? So that yes. you're able to walk into that. Again, my guest, Monty, thank you so much. So you guys go follow him. Go get connected to him. Get your notifications turned on. We'll see you guys back here Monday morning at 5 a.m. for the Daily Devotional. If you want to find out more information about who I am, LakeishaMJohnson.com. I love you guys so, so much. Y'all know how I feel about that. And you know what I'm going to tell you? Go be loved today. You need to be the love that that Christ is for all of us. It doesn't make sense that we hold or contain this love. Um, so go be loved today. And I'll see you guys back Monday morning at 5 a.m. Peace.